Excuse me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, we are glad to be here in your house today, and Lord, I'm thankful for what we've enjoyed already in the Sunday school hour and the singing this morning, and I pray that you would bless now this effort to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it, Lord, to speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you'd help us to be attentive to what is said. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This has nothing to do with the message. I'm just going to ask this anyway. Do you ever find your mind wondering sometimes when it need not wonder? All right. Well, a little bit of confession. Uh, During the singing just a minute ago, I was singing along, and something popped into my head, and all of a sudden I was thinking about that, and then that led to something else, and I was thinking about that, and then pretty soon my mind was about a 1,000 miles away from what we were doing. And that's really not the intended uh, where we want to be, all right? That's not where we want to be. And so I said, okay, come on, focus, Kyle. We're at church so that we can think about all that other stuff later. I only say that to say this. I recognize the struggle. And if by chance today you, you find your mind beginning to go someplace else, ask yourself by the grace of God to get back on focus, to get back on point, and to give attention to what it is we're we're doing today, all right? Uh, Again, I understand the struggle. I just witnessed it in my own life. So that's why the challenge comes to you today, to give attention to what it is we're doing this morning. That in mind, I'd like to begin this morning by making a statement that I think all of us know to be true, though it would be harder for some to admit than others. The statement that I want to make is this, is that at some point in all of our lives, we have been wrong. We understand that, right? That at some point in our lives, every one of us have been wrong. Now, there are multiple ways in which I could illustrate that, but I want us to think about this this mistake, this error on our part that has happened at least once to every one of us, and that is this, is that we get it in our mind that something is so when in fact it is not. Have you ever been in a situation like this where you are convinced that someone said something and they are saying to you, I never said that? Maybe you're talking to your spouse, maybe you're talking to your children, maybe it's a coworker, and, and you've said to them, but you said this. And they say to you, I never said that. What happened? You got it in your mind that it was said, and as a result of you getting it in your mind that it was said, you were convinced of it, but it doesn't mean you were right. I would imagine that this has happened to all of us at least once, that you become convinced that someone did something that they did not really do. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. Well, if you didn't do it, who did? I don't know, but I know it wasn't me. Later to find out, it wasn't them. But in that moment, you were convinced that they had done it. We've all gotten in our minds at least once some bit of information that we believe to be fact, 
only to realize later it was not fact that we had heard some wrong information or we just dreamed some things up that were not so. I've certainly done that. I have heard something or what I thought I heard. And and as a result of that, I took that information and I ran with it only to find out later that's not at all what the case is. That information that you have been spreading is 100% wrong. It is 100% inaccurate. And you say to yourself, oops, that was a mistake. So we've all been convinced that certain things were so only to find out later that we were wrong. And this morning, with that thought in mind, I want us to think about this, that collectively speaking, our nation is getting more and more things wrong all the time. I don't say that to be a pessimist, and I don't say that with a critical spirit. I don't say that to try to sound judgmental this morning. I just want us to consider this thought That as a nation, collectively speaking, we are getting more and more things wrong all the time. But as a nation, we seem to be more and more convinced all the time that we're right, though we are wrong. And that's not a good position for us as a nation to be in. Now, again, this morning I could illustrate that in so many different ways, but I want us to think about this because of where the message is headed. This is something that we as a nation collectively have gotten wrong in a horrible, horrible manner, and that is this, is the idea of what love is today. We have talked about this in the past. We have talked about this before, but I want us to think about this. We know this to be true. How many of us have ever heard somebody say something like this? I love chocolate cake. Man, oh man, I just love chocolate cake. The same person someplace else in their lives may say something like this. Man, I love that movie. Man, I love that movie. It's so full of action. It's so full of drama. It's so full of talent, whatever it may be. Man, I love that movie. Then the same person will say something like this. Man, I love my kids. What? You love your kids? Yes. But you love chocolate cake? Yes. So you have just put chocolate cake and your kids on the same level. With the expression that you have used, with the words that you have used, you have just said, I love chocolate cake and I love my kids. Now somebody may say, what's the harm in that? What's the foul in that? The harm is this, is that words mean something. Words mean something, and here is what has happened in our culture. We have gotten careless and we have gotten sloppy with this word love, with the idea of love, to the point that we as a nation really seem to have no understanding of what love really is. Again, I know we've talked about this in the past, but I want to go over it one more time this morning. See, here's what happens because we are so careless and so sloppy with this word love. People not understanding what it really is and what it really looks like and how it really manifests itself. There are people who think love is nothing more 
than some kind of a feeling or some kind of an emotion that you can fall in or out of with the drop of a hat. We've heard this before, right? You see somebody and, and you're talking to them and somebody has entered into their life and, and they may say something like this, I think I'm falling in love. You don't do that with love. You, you may talk to somebody and they may say something like this. You know, we just kind of drifted apart or we just kind of drifted away. We just kind of drifted apart and, and you know, we just kind of fell out of love. You don't just fall out of love. Love is not some emotion. It is not some feeling. And though the world would tell us this, we need to be reminded that love is not just some passion or desire or lust. Somebody thinks that they have a passion or a desire or a lust for someone, that must be love. No, friends, that may be a lot of things, but that is not love. If you capture what you thought you wanted out of passion, desire, or lust, what the person will soon find out is this. They don't love that person whatsoever because when the passion is gone and the lust has been subsided, they'll find out many times they don't even like the person they used to say they loved. So love is not some feeling. Love is not some emotion. It is not some passion. It is not some desire. It is not lust. That is not at all what love is. And sadly, here is what we're seeing in our world today, that many people in the church don't understand love any better than those outside the church. Many people who sit within the walls of a church on a regular basis, they have no real understanding of what true love is. So somebody may say this morning, okay, well, pastor, you're being critical of the world and you're being critical of many who go throughout this world not knowing what love is. So they may say something like this, so why don't you tell us what love is? All right, here's what I'll do. I'll tell us what love is. According to the authority of Scripture, love is always in the Scripture manifested by one's actions. We need to hear this. Love is always manifested in one's actions, and love is always a choice on the part of an individual. Whenever you and I read through the scripture, whenever love is talked about, when love is addressed, when love is dealt with, there will always be an action associated with it, and that is always prompted by the choice that that person has made to express their love in that action. If you don't believe me, go through the scripture Find the different expressions of love or the different mentions of love and you'll find that it deals with actions which are the result of the choice of the individual 
being considered. That in mind, look if you would please at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to look at just one verse of scripture. And considering the context of this, I want us to be aware of this, that Christ is speaking to his disciples. Christ is speaking to his disciples, and something we need to be reminded of, especially in today's environment, is this, is that Christ was not just a good man. That was weak. Christ was not just a good man. Christ was not just a good teacher. Christ was not just a good philosopher. If I were to ask you the question this morning, who was Christ? Our response should be, he was the son of God and he is the son of God. And Christ is not again just a good person. Christ is God. Christ said of himself in John chapter 10 that he and the Father were one. As you read through the book of Hebrews, it is said over and over in the opening verses, solidifying this truth that Christ was God. And and I want to labor that for that moment or for this, this point that whenever Christ speaks, we're not just getting the opinion of someone else. When Christ speaks, we're not just getting another voice on a matter. When Christ speaks, we are receiving the mind of God for our lives. So here is Christ, who is God, speaking to his disciples in John chapter 14. And he makes this statement in verse number 15 on the subject of love. He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. This morning, I want us to think about what a commandment is. It is an order, it is an instruction, or a charge that is given to someone else. All right, so a commandment is an order, it is an instruction, or it is a charge that is given to someone else. So what did Christ say to his disciples in verse number 15? He said this, I have some commandments for you. That's what he said, right? I have some commandments for you. Now somebody may say, what are the commandments that God or that Christ gave his disciples? Well, the easiest answer would be this, read through the scripture and you'll find out what God's commands are for his people. There are multiple, multiple commands that are given, multiple orders that are given, instructions that are given, charges that are given. And so what Christ said is this, is I have some commandments that I am giving unto you. So his commandments, we need to see this, would not then be in line with the world's commandments. Because here's what the world is going to do. The world is going to try to order us on how to live. That's what the world is going to try to do. The world is going to try to order us and instruct us and charge us on how to live. 
The world is going to say this is what matters and this is what's important and this is what's valuable and this is what ought to be a priority. That is what the world does. So the world has its own set of commandments that it presents to you and I as individuals. People have their own commandments that they think we need to live by. All of us as individuals have other individuals in our ear trying to tell us this is what matters in life. Do this. Don't do this. Consider this. Don't consider that. Make this priority. Don't worry about this. The world, not just in a large sense, but in a small sense, in the, in the approach of people to us, they tell us what should matter and what should be important to us. And then there's this problem. Because of our sinful flesh, we have our own commandments that we have come up with. The world says this, this person says this, and then we've got our own issues, personally speaking, of things that we want to do with our lives. This is what matters to me. This is what's important to me. This is what I desire. This is what I want. And so follow this now. You've got the world telling us what to do. We have other people telling us what to do. And then we've got our own sinful flesh trying to tell us what to do. And here's what we've got to realize is that 99% of the time, what the world and so many others who are worldly and our sinful flesh is telling us, it is running in contradiction to what God's word tells us to do. Y'all don't seem convinced of this, but it's true. My sinful flesh is always living in contradiction to God's commands for my life. My sinful flesh never goes throughout the day saying, yield yourself to the commandments of God's word. My sinful flesh is always wanting to run in contradiction to the commandments of the word of God. When the worldly people and the worldly culture are trying to influence me, they are always trying to influence me in ways that run in opposition to the word of God. So Christ says he has some commandments, but he also said this again in dealing with the context of it. He said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Usually I don't focus on real small words because they don't always have a a great bearing on the thoughts that are being communicated. But I wanted to see this. I wanted us to see this. This word if is, is interesting and it's important for this reason. It allows for uncertainty. It means that something could be supposed, but it's not actually concrete. Does this make sense? It it allows for some uncertainty. It may or may not be so. So Christ is saying to his disciples, his followers, he is saying, if allowing for some uncertainty... 
Supposing this may be so, if you love me, if you're going to suggest you love me, then here is how you manifest your love for me. It's not in your feelings. It's not in your emotions. It's not in your passions. It's not in your desires. It's not in your lust. It's not in your wants. He said, if you love me, here's what you'll do. You will keep my commandments. If you really love me like you say you do, then here is how it will be evident. Here is how it will be seen. Here is how it will be known. If you really love me, you're going to keep my commandments. What does it mean to keep? It means to observe. Or to attend to something carefully. So here is Christ speaking to his disciples and he just makes this statement. Men, if you really love me, here is how we'll know. If you do what I tell you to do. Now think about this. Christ makes it clear to the disciples. Their love for him will be manifested not by what they say, but by their actions, what they do. And their actions would always be the result of their choice. Because no one else could decide for them how they were going to live. Just like we talked Wednesday night. So here is Christ in a world similar to what we live in by way of sin and resistance to the will of God. And again, everything that we encounter. And Christ just said to the disciples, if you love me, supposing that's the case, here's how we'll know whether or not it's true. By your actions which is a result of your choice and no one else's. Now this morning, I want us to consider something. I want us to to think about this because it is true, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, that our world has got some crazy thoughts into its head that they think is right that could not be further from the truth. Say, what are you talking about? I'm just talking about this. We are living in a day where people have come to this conclusion in their minds. They truly believe that they can live however they want to live and still suggest that they love God. And friends, the scripture lets it be known clearly that that is impossible. 
I mean, if we're going to be Bible believers, that truth cannot be argued. The scripture shows us this will be true. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But see, the world has got it in their head. I can live however I want, and I can still say that I love God. And because I've said I love God, then I must. We need to be reminded that just because we think something is so doesn't make it so. So I don't even know what you're talking about exactly. Well, let me just throw out a few things that I've seen over the course of, of some ministry. And I know that you have seen similar things if you've been paying attention. But, but how many of us have ever seen somebody living in immorality? And if you dare confront them about their relationship with the Lord, don't you judge them. I love God. Uh, excuse me, you don't. See, the scripture says things like flee fornication. The the scripture makes it clear that that there's no place for immorality in the life of a believer. And you can't be doing that while professing one's love for God. So you, you find someone. We find someone who is living in immorality. And they want to say, I love Jesus. The truth is, no, you don't. We've seen things like this. Those who promote a liberal, progressive, anti-biblical agenda. But they love God. No, you don't. Let's just spell it out. You cannot be pro-abortion and love God. You cannot be pro-homosexual agenda and love God. You cannot be pro-transgender and love God. Somebody says that that is so harsh and that is so so critical of you and that is the very type of an attitude that, that is hurting America today. No, it's the nonsense that is hurting today, our, our nation, this idea that we can, we can accept anything and still claim to be people who love God. It is ridiculous to say that we have no regard for the word of God, but we still love him. No, Christ said, if you love me, you will do what I tell you in my word. You witness things like this. People who are profane and vulgar but they still love God. No, friend, you don't. If that is a part of who you are with no self-control and with no guilt, should a failure like that take place in your life? If that is what defines you and it doesn't bother you, don't pretend you love God. You love the idea of loving God, but you don't love God. But what about the ones who gossip and so discord? But I love God. No, you don't. Not if you sow discord and you're a gossip and constantly causing problems with your tongue. 
Yeah, it may not be profane, it may not be vulgar, it may not be inappropriate, but it is still corrupt communication proceeding out of the mouth, which is not supposed to take place. What about this? I think we've seen this. People who refuse to forgive. And they harbor bitterness. And say, but I love God. It's not possible. Because see, a child of God has been commanded to forgive. And if we don't forgive and we harbor that bitterness and that resentment, guess what? We're, we're living in disobedience to the truth of God's word. And so it's impossible for us to say that we love God if we're choosing to not forgive Maintain that bitterness. We're fooling ourselves if we want to say we still love him. Can't get away from this one. The person who has no real appetite for the things of God. But they love him. Do we see the nonsense of that statement? They want really nothing to do with the house of God. They really want nothing to do with the things of God. They really don't remember the last time they cracked open the word. Prayer is only something they do when they're asking God for something for themselves. I mean, they really have no desire to repent. They really have no desire to make things right with God when they sin. They really have no appetite for the things of God. But in their mind, you can mark it down. They love God. No, they don't. They don't. How, Brother Kyle, could you be so bold as to say what you're saying? I'm just telling us what Christ, who is God, said to his disciples. If you love me, you're going to do what I tell you to do. We are living in a world that has said, you know, here's God's commands But those are old. Those are antiquated. Those are outdated. Those just don't fit in our modern world today. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to adopt some new rules and we're going to adopt some new instructions. And after all, I've come up with some pretty good ideas for myself. And I've come up with some pretty good ideas for my family. And I I know what's really going to work best for us. No, it's not according to the Bible, but I know what's best for us. And that's what we're going to do. And don't you question my love. I'm not questioning your love. Christ already said you don't if you're not obedient. And so this morning, what we have to do if we're going to be confronted with the truth and if we care at all about our spiritual lives, we have to be willing to ask ourselves this. Do I really love him? Not according to what I have determined to be the standard of love, I've got to ask myself, according to the standard that Scripture puts in place, my obedience through action, which is a result of my choice, do I really love God? Just because we leave here this morning and say, oh yeah, sure, I love him, doesn't make it true unless the actions line up. 
The world doesn't seem to understand love very well. And sadly, many who sit in church don't seem to understand love very well. Love is defined and made known through our actions, which is a result of our choice. If we love Christ, if we love God, our actions will prove it. Are we going to fail? Of course we're going to fail. But if we love him, that's when we immediately strive to make it right and get back where we ought to be in our walk with him. But without obedience, there is no love. That's what Christ said. Not me, not anyone else. Do we love him? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be reminded of this simple truth. Lord, there may be some in here today who have allowed themselves to come to some, come to some conclusions that are just plain wrong. They've determined in their mind that they love you, though they have no desire to walk in obedience to you. They claim to love you, and yet there's really not much of a desire to put away their desires for what you would have for them. Lord, would you help us today to see that our love will be made known in our actions, which is the result of our choice. And so it makes it pretty simple to see whether or not we love you. I pray you'd bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.